2: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I am your host today, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside my co-host, my partners in crime, Brock Davis and Nate Green. Fellas, how we doing tonight?
3: Fantastic. Doing great, Jared.
2: Great. Now I'm excited to talk a little bit of Angels baseball here with everybody. And a lot of fun topics today we have going on. You know, we got the Shohei Otani pitching. And that is huge news because I didn't even watch it. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I had to work. I didn't even watch it. So we'll let Brock handle that later in the show. We're going to talk a little bit of. Astros panicking. I think that's that's a that's a big thing going on right now as well. So guys, before we have before we get going any further, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this show and giving us all the ideas, feeding us what we have to do, and actually listening to this podcast as well. Um, if you guys had any comments or questions, you guys can follow us on all of our social medias on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look up Talking Halos. You can follow myself at Jared underscore Tims. You can follow Brock at B D R O X eight. And you can follow Nate Green at Nate underscore is it Nate underscore Green or Nate Green thirty four? Just Nate Green thirty four, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. Nate Green thirty four. I'm off today. That's what. Let's see. Eighteen hours of baseball does to you. Eighteen hours, mm-hmm. boys, in the past two days, it's a good but day. four wins. I'll take it. Big sweep for us at Hope International. Not that we got to talk about that here, but big, big sweep for us. Got to tip the cap to the boys there. So, guys, before we get going. Any further, give us one minute to pay the bills.
1: Hey everyone, before we start, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast for Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive cover art, personalized Q&As with Blue Eyes, top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and you name all the other ones. You got them. Okay? The best part is you can get all this for only 15 bucks a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join.
2: All right, enough with all the introductions. Let's get this show rolling and talk a little bit of baseball. And we had some AOS news, a little bit of news, Nate Brock, didn't we? Maybe a little panic by the Astros, right?
1: 100%.
2: Yep, panic, panic, panic in Houston, I think. I think that could actually... I don't know if this hurts them or helps them, to be honest, because I know we're not huge on Odorizzi or anything, but Jake Odorizzi signs a, at least a two-year, $30 million deal with the Houston Astros, I believe, on, was it, Saturday morning, basically. And yep. I think, I mean, and there's a player option as well. i got to include that into the option. Player option for the third year, so guys, I mean... Before we get really talking about this anymore, yes or no, over overreaction, overpay on this whole thing?
0: Yeah,
2: huge, overpay. right?
0: Yeah, for sure,
2: definitely. So, how are we feeling about this? Are we are we worried as Angels fans? Should we be worried? I'll start with you, Brock. Should we be worried about the Astros now that they signed Jayco to Is No, I don't. I don't
0: think it changes much. Uh, you know, I I was never super high on him. You know, I I, I Always said that I preferred him over Paxton out of those two options, and that was purely, purely, purely off of just being out there on the field. Just, you know, but in the Astros position, I don't think it's a great signing. I wouldn't have hated it if it was an Angels signing just because I think that he can go out there and throw, he could be an inning eater. And Paxton scared me just a little bit more because of injuries. But for the Astros, 15 million, especially where. I think Paxton's ceiling is a little bit higher and he got paid so much less. I definitely think that the market could have been a lot lower for him. I think Odorizzi realistically should have been right in that same ballpark as Paxton, the 8 to 10 range. And I, I, I'm not surprised that the Astros ended up paying that much because it was a panic signing. And Odorizzi's, I, I don't know who Odorizzi's agent is, but whoever his agent is capitalized on that opportunity, probably called him and said, hey, uh, Valdez is hurt. You want Odorizzi for a couple years, uh, 15 is what you need. And he made it happen for him. So good for Odorizzi. For the Astros and the Angels situation, though, I don't think it changes much. You know, starting, I mean, unless you really sign, like, a crazy starting pitcher for the most part, it's only going to make a difference for the team themselves. So for face-offs, for matchups, for us, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference record-wise. I don't think it's going to make a big enough difference to make or break whether we're going to beat them. You know what I mean? Because I I didn't really see us being one or two games within the Astros. I I thought in my head it was either going to be we're going to be five plus over them or five plus under them. And it could have just gone one way or the other. So I don't think this really makes that much of a difference for us, to be honest.
2: Yeah. You look at who the Astros have as free agents next year, I believe it's just, I mean, besides them losing – Let's see, who'd they lose this offseason? George Springer? Wow, I can't believe I'm blanking on that. Again, that's what 18 straight hours of baseball does, too. But, yeah, instead of, and just because they lost George Springer doesn't mean they're going to be bad this year by any means. But this is definitely Brantley. their win. What's up?
0: And, and they lose Brantley, too.
2: Brantley, yeah. Brantley as well. I thought right.
3: they resigned him after uh, the Toronto
2: thing fell through. Oh, no, yeah, you're right. Toronto oh, was going gonna, to, yeah. yeah, it fell through. Correct. Yeah, they ended up resigning him, but, but, Besides the point, this is kind of their window closing when you look at it. It really, really is. They're going to get a lot of money off the books next year, and there are a lot of good free agents available, and it wouldn't surprise me if they went out and re-upped Correa because I think he really likes it there. But I believe they lose Verlander. I think um, Grinke is pretty close to being a free agent, and he's getting a little bit older. Their farm system isn't the best. Correa is a free agent, like I mentioned. Bregman's getting pretty close to being a free agent, if I'm not mistaken, unless they've already signed him to an extension, which, again, that wouldn't surprise me if they ex- signed him to some type of extension once they get the money off the books. Altuve's getting pretty close to being a free agent. So I, I, you look at them, and you really have to wonder if you know the, the window's closing for Houston, and the window, in a sense, is kind of opening in the AL West. And I think this is kind of that calling. This is like their last hurrah. Bring in Jake Rizzi, which I know, Nate, I'll get you in a second about it. I know Nate thought that comparison, uh, um, Alex Cobb and Jake Rizzi, I thought they'd, they'd be pretty similar. But, yeah, Nate, I want to get your two cents on, you know, should the Angels, Angels fans be panicking with Jake Odorizzi going to an ALS team? And you look at also Trevor Rosenthal went to the A's. I mean, did the Angels kind of lose the opportunity to get some of these guys or – don't panic. They paid too much for these guys. Or How are we feeling?
3: Um, I, I'm actually celebrating that Odorizzi went to the Astros. I, I think it actually is going to cause a, a lot more harm for them. And honestly, if you look ahead, one of my favorite uh, pitchers is Lance McCullers, and he will be a free agent next year. So this could even cement the fact that he will not be going back to Houston. And getting him out of the ALS is going to be huge. Or maybe even just bringing him in um, – back to the Angels. That would be awesome, because I really like Lance McCullers. I think he's got good stuff, so um, I'm happy with the move. I think um, he's going to go out there and put a lot of pressure on that bullpen in Houston, which we know is young and kind of iffy at times, so I'm really excited with with that move for for Houston, because we know Odorizzi's a five-inning guy, and yeah, we kind of compared him and Alex Cobb, and if you want to get technical, they're they're pretty close. Like I know you you guys are gonna laugh at this because Alex Cobb has been pretty bad in Baltimore, but um, Minnesota is a little bit nicer to pitchers. And um, he's only he wasn't the ace of that staff. He only had to face guys uh, two times. Only was going five innings. Uh, Alex Cobb was in Baltimore to eat innings. He was there to be the guy and to throw six, seven, eight innings every time out, which I don't even think he got to that opportunity. But that was his job. So they were going to leave him in there until uh, until he couldn't pitch anymore. And Odorizzi was kind of more like, hey, he threw your five innings, great job. I think there is even a stat two years ago when he had his really good year. He only pitched into the sixth inning twice all year in 28 starts or something like that. It was the craziest stat I'd ever seen. Um but, yeah, I, I don't think that's a big issue. I, I do think the Rosenthal thing could end up biting them in in, in the end because I think he, again, really lengthens that bullpen out. And we saw uh, Myers today kind of look a little iffy. And I'm very skeptical on him. So, yeah, Rosenthal could be a disappointment to let him go to Oakland. But, no, I'm I'm fine with other Rizzi being in Houston.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, if anybody listens to this show on – on a regular basis, you guys know that we've not been high on Odorizzi this entire time. And this isn't just us saying, oh, he went to Houston, so he's going to be bad. Like, we actually really didn't want, I mean, Brock, to an extent, wanted. I went but back and forth a
1: little
2: bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think any of us here really wanted Odorizzi to be an angel. I think that we, we saw that there was something there, and at the right cost, don't get me wrong, I'm totally good with,
0: like,
2: yeah, the cost changes a lot. Like, if you look at, if he would have signed with the Astros for two years and $20 million, then you kind of question it. But adding in the extra 10 and then the player option, it's like, wow, that's that's a little bit of an overpay. And and you got to look in Houston and think that they are kind of panicking. And I guess we can kind of stay on the pitching train and talk about what we really got on this podcast to talk about. And that's Shohei Otani, absolutely I I don't know. Do we say lighting up? I I guess let's think about I I want one word to describe Shohei Otani's first outing since, I mean, last year technically, but first legitimate outing in almost two years. So, guys, one word real quick. Brock, what is that one word that describes Otani's outing?
0: I'm going to say I'm between two word choices, and I feel like whatever one I don't say, Nate's going to say. So I'm going to say comfortable. Nate? It's going to be close to that. Uh, relaxed. Okay. I didn't, you didn't pick the one I thought you were going to say.
2: <laughs> I'm going to go I with. I thought you were going
0: to say confidence.
2: I'm going to uh, go with electric, guys. How about electric? Can you imagine the 10,000 fans that are going to be at Angel Stadium opening day? Well, probably opening week. Actually, the Angels start on the road, don't they? Whenever the Angels get home, the 10,000 fans being absolutely fired up for Shohei Otani coming in and throwing 96 to 100 miles an hour. I mean, come on, that's that's going to be pretty electrifying with however many fans are in the stands. I think fans are going to go crazy for him. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I honestly didn't watch it, so I'm going to let Brock kind of break it down. He noticed a couple things. I think Nate watched the first inning of his outing. So I'm going to let you guys kind of break, break it down. Brock, what would you have on Otani first?
0: Yeah, so we'll just break down the stat line for anybody who – he wasn't able to watch it or watched it, but didn't actually look at the stat line. He pitched an inning in two-thirds, gave up three hits. One was kind of flukish to me, maybe even two of them. Gave up one earned run, walked two, and struck out five. Uh, the reason I say flukish is there was one that was kind of down the third base line that I think, were, if Rendon was there, could have been fielded. Um, which, even Rehifo, he he's a solid infielder, and he, he I think he kind of botched it. I, I think it was fieldable. Another one was a kind of a gapper in between short and second, which was a legitimate hit by Ramon, uh, Ramon Laureano. Problem with it was, and oh my gosh, uh, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but this this hit pissed me off. <laughs> and I'll talk I'll talk about it later on for those who didn't see it. We'll stick to Otani for now. Um, but for the most part, he, he looked very comfortable. He looked very relaxed. He was touching 96 to 100, like Jared said. And uh, the only thing that I had noticed was mechanically he looked pretty good. But there was something very, very simple and kind of dumb, which, you know, this could totally be wrong. This could totally not be related at all. But his two walks, both of his walks, two out of his two, 100% of his walks came with a runner on second base, okay? And I watched this twice. I watched his two innings twice just to make sure – and looked through everything. Both of his walks came with the runner on second base. And the reason I think that he had those walks with the runner on second base was because he was looking at second base when he was starting his delivery. Now, I know that sounds dumb, but I remember growing up and playing baseball for the 16, 17 years that I did. Whenever I was on that mound, one of the simplest first things I was ever taught was that I need to be looking at the plate and where I want to throw the ball when I'm throwing the ball. And he took a long time to turn his head. He literally wasn't turning his head until he was almost leaning towards home plate. Like, literally. Like, he literally barely turned his head back right as he was about to turn his weight forward and and throw. So, I just, you know, he did have a little bit of command issues here and there. But it was almost looked night and day with at-bats that he didn't have a runner on second. He wasn't needing to turn his head or look anywhere and he was just focused and honed in right at home plate, he, his command seemed literally night and day. And he was dicing and slicing when there wasn't a guy on second base. So I don't know if that's the cause. It's just something that I noticed and was the only thing that I could tie to it because literally both walks and his command were off in those two at-bats when there was a runner on second. Uh, but other than that, in his strikeouts, his command was on. Um, I think only one of the four strikeouts, if I'm not mistaken, was with that runner on second base. Uh, so I don't know, you know, that kind of contradicts my theory a little bit. But the other four strikeouts of the five were uh, without a runner on second base. And uh, his splitter was disgusting. His curveball got a couple people. and his, fa- his fastball was electric and froze a couple people. Um, but yeah, the confidence and the comfortability that he had on the mound was astronomically different than what we saw last year, um, kind of took us back to his rookie year where he, he just seemed like when he went up there, he, he knew what he was capable of and that he was electric and he showed us that on uh, whatever day it was. So I'm pretty excited and uh, I don't know if Nate noticed the same thing I did and it could just totally be unrelated, but
2: it's just something that I noticed. Well, it's a good thing you're talking to two pitching coaches here, Brock, because I kind of, I think I know what he was doing there and I think Nate's, nodding his head right now and saying, yeah, I think he kn- I think I know what he was doing as well. And we'll kind of get to that. But it sounds to me like, you know, he had a lot of big BDE. I'm not going to actually say it because, you know, we're family friendly here. But the BDE seemed pretty good there. And I hope that continues throughout throughout the whole season. I really do. I want to see that carry over to hitting as well. I really do. I want to see how confident he can be hitting because, like I said, I – have no doubt in my mind he can hit 25 home runs in a season and get 10 wins. First time in in Major League history that would ever happen for a for many reasons but that's never happened before and that would be quite incredible to see that and I think you have to put him in MVP voting if that's the case because of how valuable he is but Nate I know you watched the first inning let's let's break down the mechanics because first off I think we kind of know what what Brock is leading to and that would be Probably early shoulder separation, early hip uh, front hip separation in a sense, just flying open a little bit would be my guess without know without knowing where the pitch went because of you know the head flying to the first base side which would be my guess and all of his momentum being pulled the other way that's just that's just my guess Nate what do you got?
3: You know what's funny? So I actually watched interviews with. With Joe Madden and and Otani after the game and during the interview as they're they're showing replays of it they actually went to the dugout and it was him and Matt Wise working on looks and then coming back so it it actually could have been something where he was just a little too worried about a guy on second and I know that was something he even talked about in his interview was like hey um, it was really nice to simulate a runner on base because that's not really something you can do in a bullpen. I mean, guys can try and, you know, hey, there's a guy on first base here. But it's it's different when there's actually a runner out there and you know who he is and you know his speed and stuff like that. So that actually could have been an issue. It looked like Matt, Matt Wise was, was saying, like, hey, yes, look, and then come back, wait, and then go instead of, like, go as you're, as you're looking. So I do think that's a possibility. But like you said, Jared, it could have easily been something where uh, his front side's coming open a little bit, and that's why his head's leaking and and a little bit behind. But, no, I I was pretty excited with the outing. Um, He he even said in his interview, only trying to throw the splitter to get outs, you know, 0-2 pitches, 2-2 pitches, things like that. Not really trying to get ahead with his splitter. Um, I noticed his slider wasn't as sharp as uh, normal. So that was one thing, but you know it's early; it's not really an issue yet. Um, sliders the, a field pitch other... too. What
2: sliders a field pitch too?
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. He hasn't really pitched in two years, so mm-hmm. I'm not really too worried about that. He'll definitely get that as as we go along. But um, yeah, I, I thought he threw the ball pretty well, and um, excited to see it. I I was a little frustrated. They sent him back out there. He threw like twenty twenty five pitches in his first inning. And knowing that he hasn't really thrown in two years, I would have just shut it down right there and said, hey, great job. You didn't give up a run. Yeah, we gave up a a questionable double um, that, yeah, Rendon probably makes that play. Rangifo, you know, not used to playing third base, has a tough time with it. But I would have just said, shake his hand. He's done. Great job. Um, let him leave with kind of a good feeling because he did strike out the side in the first. And I know he struck out his two batters in the second, but... Um, it's definitely a different feeling when you get taken out of the game mid-inning and also after giving up a run. Um, I think it would have just been really good for his psyche going along. Hey, you threw a clean inning, great job, let's move on, and then the next start we can get him through two innings, but, um, that was the other thing, was just honestly let him leave on a good note. And then the last thing was Madden even said this, and the reason why I said relaxed in my, um my word for Otani was he's flipping the ball up and down in between pitches. Like, do you know how relaxed you have to be to do that in between pitches? Like, it means he's having fun. And this is the first year in spring that he hasn't had rehab to do. This is the first year he's able to just play baseball and not worry about his uh, go to rehab after this or do that or do that. So, um, yeah, it looks like he's having fun and he looks really relaxed.
2: Yeah. And I'm honestly, I'm just excited for this. Like there are so many things to look forward to with Shohei and the angels in general. And I I think we can kind of get on. I I know we didn't talk about this before, you know, off the record about our schedule, what we're, what we were talking about here, but I kind of want to move on to one last little thing. And I think I don't, I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe Brock, well, didn't really mention it to an extent, but uh, why he got upset, but, let's kind of talk about Joe Adele a little bit. I want to move on to the Joe Adele train and get your guys' thought because he did hit his first home run of the spring on Saturday. And again, I didn't see it, but I just heard a bunch about it. And he's drawn, I think, five walks or something this spring. And he had seven walks all last year. The defense is still a little bit questionable. I know we, again, I know we kind of moved quickly over to Adele after we talked about Otani. But, you know, how are we feeling about um Adele as well now I guess we're kind of on to this topic um Brock do you have any thoughts on Adele and how we feel about that
0: uh no I don't I don't have any like anything crazy to say about him I, I do like that he's drawn more walks uh I think they said that he only drew seven walks all of last year and he's already drawn five in spring training Uh, The home run showed what power he's capable of. We all all know the power that he's capable of. It just needs to be a little more consistent. We don't want, you know, J-Up Take-Two here, uh, which is a comparison that that I had drawn before uh, that Jared somewhat agreed with. And so we don't really want J-Up Take-Two. We want more of a similarity to what Brandon Marsh can bring to the table and that's just going to take practice in the outfield and make sure that he can run the bases like we know he can. Um, and that you know that's pretty much all I have for Adele. It's it's just going to be the repetition of it. I think he's just so young and still so new that it's it's just hard to bring that evaluation on him. To be honest,
2: definitely. And I, I brought up Adele because I kind of thought that might be what the hit was that you were upset about. Oh no! Okay. I thought I thought I thought it was. I know he booted a ball out in – right field or something like that. I thought that might have been what you were upset about. So that's kinda of why I brought up Adele. But Yeah, yeah
0: it was it was Upton and okay. it was a like rinky dink little single. I mean it was it was hard hit. It was hard hit, which is honestly even more frustrating because it got to the outfielders faster than a rinky dink hit would. So it's basically left center and Upton and Trout are, are hustling in. I honestly think that Trout could have got to it faster and, and got a little bit of a better delivery into, like, momentum into second base than Upton would just because it's Upton. But he's kind of just jogging over to the ball, not really paying attention to the runner. And freaking Ramon Laureano takes second on him. Like, it was not – it's not a double. And and I'm I'm not getting too critical about it because it's spring training and I, I don't necessarily want Upton to be hustling so hard to this little single in the gap to try to, um, you know, I don't don't want him to hurt himself because that's only going to hurt us in the end. But, like, at the same time, like, if the A's want to play that game in spring training and they're going to have Ramon Laureano take second on that ball, like, we need to play ball. Like, we need to play that side too, and we, you know, we can't be letting – that's the only run that Otani gave up, by the way, was that – was Ramon Laureano was off that BS double. So like if that were to happen in a real game, I'd have been way more frustrated about it because that's not that's not a double, dude. And like it was it was just so simple and stupid. And he made a terrible throw to second base on top of that. So he's just kind of you know fifty percent to the ball, makes a terrible throw. Ramon Laureano gets second, and then there was a, a a gapper by Tony Kemp after that to right center. That Ramon Loriano would not have scored from first on, and then um, I believe this was—I don't remember if this was in the first inning or the second inning—but either way, uh, the next two hitters struck out, so that one that run wouldn't have scored. I mean, obviously you could play the what-if game all day long, but either way, the next two runners or the next two hitters struck out, and that that guy Ramon Loriano never would have scored if you know the cards played out the same. So it's just frustrating. Like Otani could have had no runs earned if it wasn't for something stupid like that, where he turns a single into a double off of a hit that definitely should not have been a double. So it's just a little gripe of mine. It's you know, it. it I was never a huge fan of Garrett Anderson for those same reasons, because of the non-hustling issues that allowed for things like that. Even though Garrett Anderson was a an Angels legend and offensive legend, but the kind of defensive gripes like that always triggered me as an Angels fan and I just I can't stand those things
2: so yeah I I feel you I feel you and I have the college mentality at the moment coaching college baseball and everything and that's not something that flies with me either no matter what you know if it's in practice if it's in game if it's you know in fall inner squad it just doesn't fly and I know Nate feels the same way so let's just get on to final thoughts and I'll, I'll start with Nate you got any final thoughts on how we feel about the Angels or anything like that?
3: Yeah, just to go back to the uh, Joe Adele, uh, he's not ready. I, uh, I hope we don't see him until July at the earliest. He, he has a lot to uh, he has a lot to learn, and I think it was just one of those things where the Angels last year was like, hey, maybe we we'll call this guy up and get a spark. Uh, it's just hard when, when you're not playing actual games. So I think he needs to definitely sit down in the minor leagues for a couple months. I'm hoping it's July maybe August when you get to see him. But um yeah, I, I think he he has a lot of growing up to do and he's got a lot of things that he needs to work on. And I I know we don't like to talk about this, but defence most of it is an effort thing. It it really is. Just like you're talking about with Upton, it's an effort thing. And if you give effort, Angel fans are not going to be upset with you. If you're going at a ball hard and you dive and you miss it, like we're gonna be fine with it. But if you lazily get to a ground ball and it goes under your under your glove, like that, that's where I have the issue. So um, I, I hope that he he gets sent down to AAA and grows up and and figures out um, that hey, yeah, you got to play with the big boys, but you got to act like a big boy to play with us. So that's the uh, only thing I got.
2: I don't think efforts an issue, and I'm only saying this because I'm going to defend him a little bit here. I don't think effort's a big issue with players like we think it is. I think that players go out and give their 100%. In fact, I don't think that. I know that they go out and give their 100%. Is there sometimes a lack of focus? I think so, and I think that we see that a little bit with Joe Adele. I think there's going to be a lack of focus. I don't know, I don't think it's lazy though. You know, like I'm trying to think if there's really been a lazy player out there. Like I I can't really think of an actual lazy player. Like we can even say like Albert Pujols isn't like isn't a lazy player, you know. He he doesn't lack in focus, he's just lost a step. He's just he's just old to be honest, like without making a joke about it. So I don't think there's a it'll, lack in effort I don't think they're lazy I just think there's just a loss in focus sometimes with players and I I don't know how I wouldn't really know how to coach that to be honest I think you just have to learn learn it in a sense and Nate I know you you're you're a coach and you've been there and I know that's not an easy thing you know the the baseball savvy side of things can't be taught there's just certain things that you and I, because we're both savvy. We have a great savvy feel when we're on the field. We see things a lot of people don't see. And I think that that's very hard to teach. And that sometimes is the downfall for a lot of things too. So yeah, like I said, not to you know defend or not to make, you know, to defend him or defend you or anything like that. I just figured I'd throw that a little bit out there. I don't think it's a lack of effort. I think it's just a lack of focus sometimes. Which, well, I, I mean, it is what it is.
3: I think because we are that type of person, too, it it comes off as being lazy. Whereas to a normal person, it just comes off to like, hey, maybe he's not ready or, you know, he's not focused. But to us, it it feels lazy because he's getting paid to play a child's game. And it's something that is second nature to us. So that's probably why it comes off as lazy to us.
2: Yeah, and I mean, our style of play was different. And I get that, I get that. It's it's us being, I don't want to call us Karens, but it's just us being, I don't even know the right word for it, old critical. people. We're kind of critical. old now. We're getting... Critical. We're critical, yeah, we're critical. We're old, you know, we just expect better out of a lot of things, and we expect that high performance out of people, and when we don't see that, it, it's like, well, you know, there's something wrong there, so... Yeah. Brock, any final thoughts? Uh,
0: nope. I'm just curious if there's a plan for our 40th roster spot and who's going to fill it. And um, we could talk about it on another podcast, but supposedly we're going to be getting limited capacity fans at Angel Stadium, so uh, I'm excited to go to games.
2: Yeah, me too. I am so ready for baseball to be back. Uh, that'll be my final thought. I'm ready for baseball to be back. I'm ready to see Chris Rodriguez and Reed Detmer's pitch again. I'm just ready for Baseball, baseball, baseball. If I don't have enough baseball in my life already, I need more. So, guys, as always, thank you for listening to this podcast. You can follow us on any social media that you have. Basically, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Go look us up uh, at talking Halos at all those. You can follow myself at Jared underscore Tims. You can follow Brock at B-D-R-O-X-8. And you can follow Nate Green at NateGreen34. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening, and have a great day. Rest of your day.
1: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history